This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. Well, one of the most interesting pieces of writing I've read in a long time is this. I've never heard of anybody who does what this man does, and maybe some people would say, well, he's got a screw loose, to put it bluntly. Joanne Taylor is from Minnesota, New Ulm, Minnesota. And she writes about an older brother named David, who was the oldest of five children, or four daughters underneath him, and the daughters worshipped David. He was the oldest, and he was the only boy in the family. And I'll I'll just read her story to you. We looked forward to Thanksgiving and Christmas in the hope that David would come home for a day or two and our family would be together for the holidays. As a young single adult, David enjoyed driving the latest, fanciest car he could afford. I remember well his first Corvette, a white 1959 model with a removable hardtop. Then he moved up to a midnight blue 1963 Stingray with the fiberglass body and the headlamps that rotated out of sight when not in use. By 1972, he was driving a Porsche. So whenever David came home to visit, part of the excitement was discovering what he was driving and arguing over who would be the first one to ride in the new car. Now, here's what he did that I thought was odd. I've never heard of anybody doing this. He would call right before the holidays and say things like this to the mom. I don't think I'll make it uh, for the holidays. I'm, I'm busy and I just can't make it. He was eight or 10 hours away and they were sad. And then he would show up the next day just as a surprise. Just say, I'm here. And one time he called and said, mom, I, I can't make it. I'll be there, but I'm eight and a half hours away. Just be patient. I'll get there when I can. And then five minutes later, he walked in the front door. He was at a gas station down the street. He did things like that to surprise his parents, which, again, I I think is a little off, but that's, you know, if that's all right. And David was constantly playing tricks on the parents and the girls about when he was arriving or if he was coming at all. And every time he'd pull into the driveway... We'd run out to meet him with shrieks and squeals. Our disappointment turned to instant joy. And maybe that was part of the the rationale or the psychology behind it. The reason I tell you this story is this. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, promised he's coming back. And he's not playing games about it. He's not saying, I'll be back and then I won't come back. He's not saying, I won't come back and then he shows up. There is no game playing or strategy involved. And what he says today in the Gospel of Mark is something that every person in this room not only needs to hear, you need to believe it. And you need to understand what Jesus said about his return is vitally important. Get this, not only to your life, but to your eternity. You see, if Jesus isn't coming back, we need to pack it up. We really do. We just pack it up, and what's the future hold for us? Nothing. But Jesus Christ, listen carefully. It's the most important thing I'm going to say all morning right here. The one who conquered death through his resurrection 
walked out of a grave alive is the one that said, I'm coming back. The reason you can believe the promise of Jesus about returning is because of the resurrection. I want you to connect the resurrection with the second coming. One validates the other. In other words, we can believe it because of what Jesus accomplished in his death, burial, and resurrection. Well, this message about the second coming of Christ continues tomorrow on Crosshope. Our website, of course, is crosshope.org. The one who conquered death through his resurrection walked out of a grave alive is the one that said, I'm coming back. The reason you can believe the promise of Jesus about returning is because of the resurrection. I want you to connect the resurrection with the second coming. One validates the other. In other words, we can believe it because of what Jesus accomplished in his death, burial, and resurrection from the dead. Well, what's the passage? It's in Mark 13. We preached four messages out of chapter 12. Now we're in chapter 13, verse 32. Here's Jesus is speaking, and here's what he says, and I'm going to read the first verse, 32, twice for a reason. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. I'm going to read it again. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, military term, be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Watch. Jesus Christ is not playing games about his return. He's not playing games with the language of it. He just says, here's the story, here's what's going to happen, we're to be alert, we're to be on guard, and we're to watch. That's the message. The reason I read the first verse twice is for this reason. I don't know if any of you remember this, but back in 1988, in October of 88, some of you will remember this. A man wrote a book called Why Jesus Will Return October something, 1988. I remember it. I remember seeing the booklet. And it made the rounds around the country, and people joked about it. People laughed about it. Comedians made fun of it. And, of course, the day came and went. In 2011, a Harold Camp, which some people told me they might be the same fellow, Harold Camping predicted a few years ago, based on his calculations, Jesus would return May 21st, 2011. It didn't happen. So that's interesting, and in light of the first verse I read, no one knows about that day or hour. Why is it that people don't get that and still continue to set dates? Some of you have heard me tell this before, but in my home church, where I grew up in Hammond, Indiana, 
there was a group of people known as a prophecy group. They're all dead and gone now. And part of what they would do in focusing on Revelation and the book of Daniel and and all the prophecies about the second coming of Christ, they would set dates. And I was as amazed at that because of the first verse I read. No one knows the day or the hour. Not even the angels. Not even the Son of God, Jesus said. And that's a hard one for me to figure out. But I think he was making a point that it's top secret. Only the Father, God the Father knows. And yet they would set a date. And I'm going to ask you a question, and you can answer this out loud if you want. When the date would come and Jesus didn't return, somebody say what they did. Set another date. And then I love verse 33, be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. I'm amazed at how people are alert for the stock market. They're on alert for the economy. They're on the alert for investment opportunities. They're on the, the alert about how much certain products cost. I've been watching the, the price on that car, that used car. We're to be on alert for the second coming of Christ. There's a, a movement in our country today, and I, I'm not mocking it. I'm not condemning it because there may be some people in here that are a part of it. And don't raise your hand if you are, it doesn't matter. Prepper, have you ever heard the term prepper? People who are preparing for the end when the electricity shuts down and there's a a mass event that shuts down electricity in our country and uh, through magnetic interruption of uh, electricity. And these preppers are constantly buying food and they're storing food in their basements. And here's what I want to say about it. Nothing, you know, horrible about it. Jesus never told us to become preppers. He said, be on your guard. Be alert for his return. The focus isn't on an event. The focus is on Christ. Do you get that? It's not on an event. We're focused on Christ, on him. So we're not told to be preppers for some cataclysmic event that may happen in our culture or may not happen. We don't know when it'll happen, but it will happen. We're to be ready for Jesus to come back. What's it mean to be on your guard and to be alert? Are you aware of spiritual struggles that are going on in your own family? You know, a lot of men and women aren't. Are you aware of the struggle that's going on In your own marriage, are you aware of the spiritual struggles going on with your children? Are you aware of the struggles going on spiritually? And we're living in a world where there's conflict, spiritual conflict. And I hope you're alert, and I hope you're on your guard, being aware of the times. You understand what's going on. I think one of the most important things I'm going to say about the second coming of Christ is this. I actually had a man tell me years ago, Randy, why should I get worked up over something that may not happen for a thousand years? And on one level, I understood that. He may be right. If Jesus doesn't return for a thousand years, he may be right. But then here's what I told him, right or wrong. This is what I said to him. Do you think you're going to be here a thousand years from now yourself? And he said, well, no, I'll be dead in maybe 50, 60, 70 years, whatever the case may be. And I said, the Lord's return, in a sense, 
is just the same as your death. In other words, when you leave this earth and you die and you go on to be with the Lord, that's when the Lord is returning, so to speak. And it gave him a new perspective because all the time up until then, he said, I was focused on, you know, a hundred years beyond my death, a thousand years beyond my death. And then he realized it comes into focus when you say, what about the year or the day of your own death? And he said, I, I get it. I get what you mean by that. We're not waiting on somebody to show up at the door. We're waiting for the Son of God to return. No one knows when Christ will come again, but He's coming. We can wait in fear. We can ignore the signs that tell us the time is near, or we can wait faithfully prepared and expectantly, ready, living in hope that God will once again keep His promise. It's all about keeping His promise. We'll tune in tomorrow to hear the rest of this message on CrossHope. That's CrossHope.org. David Luz is a minister from the Midwest, and he said, when I was in seminary, I remember a time when a good friend and I were both waiting for letters from our brothers. Yes, it was back in the day when people actually wrote and sent paper letters by mail. Her brother had been deployed to Iraq during the first Gulf War. Her waiting was understandably anxious, hoping that he was okay, hoping that he might come home. Every letter meant he's still alive. Every letter meant there's hope. He's still with us and we may return. He said, my brother was studying abroad in Russia, so my waiting was filled with anticipation as I looked forward to hearing about his experiences and adventures abroad. We can wait for so many different things, but we wait in different ways. Jesus in this passage isn't commanding us to wait with just anticipation or inviting us to imagine the Christian life absent of worry and anxiety. He's promising that our waiting will not be in vain. Promising that even though we don't know the day or the hour, the day will come. Yet it will come. He will return. And that's what you and I have got to live with the anticipation that the Lord's return. And here's what happens. When you honestly live, and I honestly live, in anticipation of the Lord's return, you know what it does? It impacts the way you live. It actually impacts how you treat your family. It impacts how you treat the people at work. It impacts how you treat your children because you live in anticipation, in anticipation of the Lord's return. It changes the way you live. And it changes the way you die. John Lentz is a writer who talks about a younger brother. This is a cute story. I like it. My younger brother, Andrew, is not here to defend himself. But when he was little, in a preschool, a picture was taken of him putting a piece of scotch tape in a little girl's hair. It's a cute picture. Nobody got hurt. It was fine. But at some level in a four-year-old's brain, that picture made him feel embarrassed. So get this. He denied he ever did it, even when the evidence was right there in front of him. He still denies it. He's an adult and said, I didn't do that. What is it in your life? But to your dying days, I didn't do that. That didn't happen. I've heard people in my own life experience, who said that never happened, and it did. So have you. 
some of you, and it may be very personal because it may be you or me, in other words, that we're talking about. And we can't play games with the Lord any more than we say He won't play games with us. When you plan a wedding, you know how long you've got, and you steadily tick off the items on your to-do list during the months beforehand. We had a wedding here yesterday, Wilbur Klein and Rita Elder, 90 and 85. And you thought you were old when you got married. Can you believe that? 90 and 85. Is it true they went to the Sandals Resort in Jamaica for their... Um, I found that a little hard to believe, that that's where they were going, you know, where the people run on the beat. Never mind. It just That was just, somebody was being smart, I'm sure. When you plan your wedding, you know how long you've got, and you tick off the items on your to-do list. When a baby's due, you may not know the date that that labor will happen, but you know the dates where it's likely to happen. And usually, but not always, there are warning signs that could be imminent. Well, this message from Mark on the second coming of Christ continues tomorrow on CrossOak. That's crossoak.org. Even the fire drills at your old school were not exactly unexpected. You weren't totally shocked there was a fire drill because they told you, we're going to have fire drills at this school. But one day, Jesus will come back and we'll have absolutely no prior warning. We'll be in the middle of our normal day's duties just as if it were any other day, just like people did yesterday and the day before in Texas and yesterday and in Dayton, Ohio. Someone will put the kettle on to boil but yet have not made their tea. Someone else will have been servicing their car and they'll drain out the old oil and maybe have not put any fresh oil in. There will be people who've mailed a letter, but the mailman hasn't come yet. To get the letter, others will be on the phone to a relative. We don't know when Jesus will come back, but what we do know, he said, I'm coming back. And I'm going to tell you something. You've got to come to the place in your life where you make the intellectual decision, I'm going to believe in the second coming of Christ. I'll tell you why. Satan wants you to believe he's never coming back. Satan is the master doubter, and he's the master doubt caster. And he says, you don't really believe that stuff, do you? And I'm convinced that if you believe in the resurrection of Christ, automatically you've got to believe that he's coming back. The one who walked out of a grave empty is the one who's coming back, who said, I will come back to claim my own. When you wait for the return of Christ, the Holy Spirit of God is with you. You're not sitting there waiting for Jesus to return as some wishful thinker. And you, by golly, we just hope he's coming back. The spirit of the living God indwells you and indwells me is giving you the strength hour by hour, day by day to wait. That's what it says, wait. To be on guard, to be prepared, to be alert. And then the, what's the last word in the passage? Watch. Watch. I leave you with this story, just real quick. Ken Onstott, O-N-S-T-O-T is his name, from Des Moines, Iowa, said, near the end of my daughter's first quarter at Seattle Pacific University, we received a letter from student services warning us that our children might be different when they came home for Christmas break. 
The letter explained that our children had been away from home and on their own for three months. They had made new friends, experienced new things, and discovered a whole new world of ideas. Because of this, the letter said, we should not expect our relationship to be the same as it was before. So they were a little disturbed by that. Our daughter's going to be different. Well, she came home to see if there was any change. She seemed pretty much the same. After two days, her room was just as messy as it was in high school, he said. She wasn't that much different. What's my point in telling that story? When Jesus returns, will he find a man who wasn't much different? A woman who really didn't make any changes in her life is the same old, same old. Or will he find a man or woman who's not perfect? It's not about perfection. It's about love. It's about being a man or woman who loves the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind. And you've been waiting. And we will be united with the Lord forever. He is coming back because he promised he would. He kept his promise about rising from the dead. You do know that. He said, you destroy this body in three days, I'll raise it up again. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word today about the second coming. If there was ever a message that we would need today in the light of tragedy that's happened not only in Texas, but right here in our own community of Dayton, Ohio, we need this word. You've been listening to Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Cross Hope is listener supported and is produced by Cross Hope Ministries Incorporated.